You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the show. I am Hody Johns. I'm Lou. And this is Enemy of My Enemy. Don't worry, Brian is coming. We will have our left, right, and center libertarian voices represented for you today. And this is probably one of the best episodes that we can have left, right, and center voices on because we're going to be discussing intellectual property. Uh, it's it's a tough one because libertarians love their property. So uh, it, it's one that I find is splits the libertarian community about in half, if I had to guess, as far as who loves it and who dislikes it. And it's another one that I don't find is, it it crosses the left-right barrier. Like a lot of times there's things that we say, oh, this is um, like borders or something that the right libertarians tend to enjoy and the left libertarians tend to not enjoy. And there's splits like that, but this is one of those things that you you have kind of an equal amount. It splits the rights in half and it splits the lefts in half. I'll be honest. I don't even know which position would be considered the right or the left position on this one. Like, I I don't know. Right. Fantastic. And and that's, and that is, and it makes sense because even when we were talking about in the chat, we got some very uh, fervent responses. Uh, uh, I am not big on it. Brian is is very big and very vocal about it, and so uh, we will we will be hearing from all of that and all sides on this issue today. So get prepared for some battle. Uh, as as an intro to this, I did want to kind of define what intellectual property is, and for that, I am turning to uh, I think it's it's pronounced WIPO or WIPO W I P O, the World Intellectual Property Organization. Because intellectual property is not something that's unique to America. It is a global thing, a global system. Um, Intellectual property refers to creations of the mind, such as inventions, literary, and artistic works, designs and symbols, names, and images used in commerce. IP is protected in law by, for example, patents, copyrights, and trademarks, which enable people to earn recognition or, or financial benefit from what they invent or create. By striking the right balance between the interests of innovators and the wider public interest, the IP system aims to foster an environment in which creativity and innovation can flourish. Types of intellectual property. There are six kinds of intellectual property. Um, There is the copyright. The copyright is what uh, a creator has over their work. It takes care of things like books, so you don't duplicate a book, music, paintings, sculpture, films, that'll fall under copyright. Then you have the patent. The patent is for an invention. Uh, it, it, uh, it gives the owner the power to decide how the invention can be used, when it can be used, and who is allowed to make or uh, create that invention. There's the trademark, which is a logo to say like, hey, this product is a product of me, and I'm symbolized by... This trademark, the trademark is the equivalent of what a signature would be on the copyright. There are industrial designs that is also protected under copyright. Um, Big one here is infrastructure companies here in the United States. If you have a nice 
house floor plan that you've designed. Other people cannot use that same floor plan. Uh, geographical in indications. So that is uh, like made in China, made in Italy, made in Japan, made in Taiwan, made in the USA. Um, for those who are getting bombed on us, that's what it says on the sides of all the bombs is made in the USA. Uh, for those who are buying normal stuff here in America, it's probably made somewhere else. Uh, and that is uh, the reason being for that is so that you can, um, the reason it has to be protected is so that every person can't just say, hey, this is made in the USA if it's not. And then you have trade secrets. Um, and that is another IP thing. So if it's something about how something is used or made and it's not disclosed publicly, you know, if it's, for example, how to make a car or, you know, people can see, you know, it would be protected under the patent would be the end result of the car. But if there's a process involved in making it saying like, well, we have our, um, you know, oil fluid, you know, or, or when we're making the car, we melt it to this temperature. And that, and so you would say that's a trade secret. You can't share that recipe for how to make the frame of the car with the, with another competitor. So those are the six different kinds of intellectual property. Um, and I rather, I, I, I rather love the concept of property. I rather, as a capitalist, I rather love the concept of individually owning property. I'm even big on saying, hey, if you write a book, are other people allowed to write the same book and <laughs> pretend it's theirs? No, I don't like that. I like it being your book. That being said, much like any other issues, I am questioning on whether uh, I want the government to get involved in it or not. Lou, give us your thought on intellectual property. Well, I really, until very recently, like I never really had a strong opinion on it. I was kind of like, eh, you know, like it was more of a don't be a dick kind of opinion. You know, don't don't steal someone's idea and take all the credit for it. Like, that's not cool. But at the same time, you know, you have things like, um, you know, I think the big, easy example is Mickey Mouse, right? Like the Disney stuff. Um, and so in talking about what's public domain and what's not and how long something can be trademarked or copyrighted or what have you, like, there's a lot of intricacies there that, like, I don't understand and I haven't gotten into. So, like, I'm, I'm not going to speak to things I don't know. Um, but I in my big career shift as a tattoo artist, <laughs> I've actually come in, come across this issue quite a bit. And, you know, there's a, a segment of the population of tattoo artists that are very much like you can't steal someone else's artwork. And while I tend to agree, like, don't like, don't be a dick about it. The reality is when you work in a tattoo shop and someone comes in and they show you a picture they found on Pinterest and say, this is what I want, you know, and you're on a time crunch because you've got another appointment and this, that, and the other, like you might be able to change some stuff or, you know, something like that, but it's generic on Pinterest. Nobody even knows who the original artist is because it's like all over the internet and it's been done a thousand times, you know, and people complain about stealing someone's artwork, you know. And I kind of just, I think that's a little absurd. Obviously, you know, if you're an award-winning tattoo artist and you've done this amazing hyper-realistic sleeve and someone tries to do the exact same thing, like, for one, it's never going to look like yours. It's just not. 
Um, so I just, I don't know. I, for the most part, I think it's really silly unless it's something that you're like actively making a profit from or an income. Right. So like currently Marvel, let's say, you know, they're actively making shows and movies and putting out products and things like that in 20 years when that stops being a thing where they're actively creating new content for the Marvel universe, it should become public domain. Like songs like, what is it? Old Lang Syne and, uh, Oh, I don't know. Like happy birthday and a handful Yankee of others. doodle folk, right. folk songs. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Camp Town like races. That. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's all open domain and for the most part, some aren't for really silly reasons. Um, you know, the, the other one that, that I connected with personally, um, I have, I have a handful of medical issues, one of which, um, years ago I was diagnosed with narcolepsy. And one of the biggest issues I have is like, I'm really tired all the time. <laughs> and so I was prescribed a medication that was not a generic, like you could only get the original like name brand from that company and it was ungodly expensive and it was i waited a decade before that patent was like released and other companies could make a generic um so i went from paying like 600 or no 1300 a month to 20 dollars a month for the same pill like so i don't know that i really have a whole lot of an opinion on a lot of it like just don't be a dick. If it's going to hurt someone financially, don't take their stuff. Um, as far as like the government being involved in it and like the really convoluted intricacies of like patents and trademarking, copywriting, like it's a little excessive and it's extremely expensive too to be able to actually copyright something or and, and do it well, patent something and hiring a patent attorney. And I mean, it costs people tens of thousands of dollars. That doesn't seem right either. Like, if you came up with a great idea and you want to patent it, like, why? It just seems silly to me. I don't know. That's where I stand on the issue. And I don't have a clue if that's left, right, or center. <laughs> As we said, there's this one kind of is not really confined to a, a box, but like... Uh, right. Yeah, I mean, I, I I agree. Obviously, not being a dick is just good for all. We could talk about any subject, and and, right. and that's a good starting. <laughs> that's a great jumping off point. There is not not being a dick. Um, uh, the issue I have with intellectual property is much the same issue that I have with regular property. In that, when you even though I am big on individual property, as soon as the government gets involved with it, they're going to screw it up. They have incentives to screw it up. They're in bed with the wrong people and look no further than what's become because let's not treat intellectual property like some hypothetical. That's, it is, it, it is currently, we are working in a system of intellectual property where they say this is to be bought and sold and, and whoever it may be. I'm so glad you shared your medical example because you have personal experience with this. Um, we experience much the same thing um, with our family. We have somebody who is on um, an opioid and eat, there is a patent given for each level of the opioid. You know, it. Uh, we say, Three, three, uh, Sam, welcome to the jungle, buddy. 
Uh, <laughs> we'll get to you in just a sec here. I'm, I'm giving my my crazy opinions on this. I actually don't know where stands on Sam stands on this, so this should be uh this should be interesting. Um, Sam, if you want to mute yourself just until just just while I while Hody speaky because I am I am great. Okay, thanks, buddy. Um, <laughs> it, it's much the same issue that I have with it's the concept is that if government would do it right, I'd love for them to be involved with property and protecting people's stuff and making sure people have individual ownership over their property. But that's not why they get involved. Ultimately, they get involved because they want to a cut of things. They want to slice. Lou, you mentioned some of these things. They're very expensive. Uh, so when I talk about this medicine, when it says, okay, you get a, you know, 35 microgram dose K, there's only one, there's only three companies, I think that can make opioids and only one is allowed to manufacture at each dosage. So each dosage has a patent and each one is a monopoly. So if your doctor writes you a prescription to say, Hey, I'll give you a 70 milligram dosage for your Opi there's only one opioid that they can get and that opioid is sometimes ludicrous I, I shouldn't say sometimes ludicrous the opioid is oftentimes ludicrously priced um, something that's way more than the cost of making it we can even see in countries that don't regulate it this way every country has some regulations but countries that don't have a patent on it can sell some of these diabetes medic medications for like $20 a month and uh, for a monthly dose. And then as soon as we get a patent involved, it's like, well, that's going to be $25,000 a month. And <laughs> so why, why is that expensive? Well, you had to bribe a politician first to give you the monopoly. And then you had to, you know, bribe the FDA to maintain that monopoly and all these other things. And so like the idea, the concept behind intellectual property to me, and we do have Brian here as well to who, who is uh, going to be our pro intellectual property guy the burden pretty much is gonna the bit already uh, <laughs> <laughs> i uh and i'm sure that brian would take issue with a lot of the issues that i have my my question mostly to to him and other intellectual property supporters is much like the government in general how do you fix it and a lot of times for me it's just get the government out of it and hope for the market solution to do better do i i i absolutely understand in fact let's look at modern day equivalents of of intellectual property violations go to China and or a place that holds a lot of debt from the US because that makes it so that you at the US can't do anything about it otherwise they'll cash in on your bonds and they'll just and they've got Harry Potter books you know that aren't actually Harry Potter they've got um, what SpongeBob supporting like the Confederate flag I mean you just go the goofiest like wackiest and and they have no problem doing it you know ripping off star wars and, and i understand that's not something you want for your product you say man i i took a, i spent a lot of energy you mentioned marvel earlier lou i'm i spent a lot of energy building up superman and these guys over here tuned superman into like this abusive drug addict or something and that's not that's not the way i wanted superman to be portrayed i wanted him to be clean cut and and wearing a tie and, and all, all these fantastic things. And they messed up my canon. Now, to Marvel, you kind of messed up your own canon. I'm sorry, guys, as far as Superman and all that goes. I mean, Isn't Superman DC? Uh, Superman, I think, crosses both uh, at some point. There, there's uh, And then there's like, there's the Dark Horse comics. And then you got, uh, you know what? There's so many different, like, which Spider-Man is it? Which Superman is it? I just, and this is part of the, the thing is there ends up being multiple Superman and Spider-Man anyway. So for me, if somebody chooses to abuse it, 
Well, if you're doing better, then you're going to do better. Uh, your tattoo example, Lou, is fantastic because it's like, listen, I could try to duplicate that guy's work, but it's not going to happen. You'll notice with world famous chefs, they have no problem giving you the recipe. I've used this example before on the podcast. I will do it again. They have no problem giving you the recipe because nobody can execute it like they can. Yeah. It's just different. Their restaurant is still going to be sold out because nobody can do what they do, even if they have the knowledge of the ingredients. And that's Although, part of the talent. I do crush some Gordon Ramsay eggs. I just oh. have to. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> unfortunately he put that on YouTube. And so that's now public property slash YouTube's property. So, <laughs> uh, which is, which kind of goes to show how convoluted this is. But for me, it, it, it is, it is currently abused to death. The patents are ridiculous. Um, we are looking at people that have been bankrupted by the system to the tunes uh, to the tune of hundreds of thousands of dollars if they don't have insurance. Um, another area that that intellectual property kind of dominates. Um, there, it, it forbids people. I think it's funny. I read off the website that their whole big is balancing innovation. There's no balance in innovation. Innovators are absolutely punished under intellectual property laws with wanton, like, I mean, I mean, you've got like one creator who will be an author and of course, you know, get their property protected like a little bit, but at, at the expense of paying these people hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so what happens is the people who can afford to pay for these patents do fine. And the people who can't, you have thousands of ideas just thrown out. And sometimes they'll just outright reject your copyright or your patent or whatever, even if you qualify for it. I mean, it, and so it's like, well, why did you do that? Oh, because this entity in charge, you didn't pay them enough money. You didn't bribe them enough money. You didn't, you know, you didn't pitch it to the right people. And it looks like all you stand to do is make money and you're going to make it. Hey, guess what happens if you pitch a uh, something that counters pain medicine, med medication? That's not going to get approved. That's not going to be approved for sale. And, and intellectual property has a lot to do with that. So I don't have a lot to say. A good, I, I guess I do have a strong opinion that I very much dislike uh, intellectual property. I understand why people want it. At least I feel like I do, but I'm sure uh, I'm sure our, our, our next two contestants will have a, a different view than me on this subject. But I, I, I would I am open to being educated on how you would hope it would work in a it doesn't. I understand not everybody's an anarchist like me, but I would even want to understand in a minarchist world how you prevent this kind of thing from being abused the way that it has. And, and I just very much do not like intellectual property. Um, but I said, as I said, I'm open to having my heart changed on this one. Sam, you are up next. So I'm going to let you hit us, drop some knowledge on what you feel about intellectual property. Go ahead, buddy. Oh, uh, well, let's see. First is like the principle of the approach. So, I mean, if we believe it is actually property, then it shouldn't expire. Um, just like all rights, your rights shouldn't expire. Um, so I don't think ideas are property. You don't own the ideas of another person. Um, the only reason for private property is it's the best allocation for scarce resources. Ideas aren't scarce. Um, you can populate them. Uh, yeah, they're just not scarce. And ideas are built on ideas, and those ideas are built on other ideas. For the government to grant a monopoly on one idea and a long string ideas is insane. It only stands to hinder progress. So imagine if someone had a, a patent on the wheel. Like if we were still yep. paying every time we used the wheel or, you know, like, and if you sort of just go back in time and sort of, if you put things in an extreme, it usually kind of makes it a little clearer. But like if someone invented the wheel and then another guy wanted to invent like the cart to go on the wheel, 
would would that help with progress or would that hinder progress and how much farther back would we be if you know we just arbitrarily just said okay right here right you know like you you've accumulated enough ideas right here you now have a monopoly um so yeah i'm not really in favor of it i think um and if you look at like the music industry um i don't know if like if like in school there's like this uh there's this moment where everyone just discovered you can get whatever music you want online and everyone was just downloading it onto each other's laptops and it was crazy and i don't think music really suffered from that i think music uh just did great uh, the market adapted and we have still great music so i mean the idea that if we get rid of intellectual property or you know everything's just gonna go get worse i don't, I don't believe that i guess and i would uh, like to see evidence for that uh, Sam, you're you're really tugging on my heartstrings with the it has to be a scarce resources. I, I love I, I love the economist in you, buddy. That is that is awesome. Uh, but yeah, that is it, you're correct. It fit, it falls outside the definition of what property should be. All right, Brian, we painted you in the worst possible light <laughs> ever. We talked so, so much crap while you were yeah, here. No, so, I'm I'm, so now, <laughs> true to my unbiased dark. hosting ability, I'm going to give you 30 seconds to respond to all of it. And if, I, <laughs> and if I'm not satisfied, it's just I'm cutting you. <laughs> you guys are all right. I've changed my mind. Thanks for coming, everyone. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> my job here is done. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I monopolized um, the opinion. All right, Brian, go yeah, ahead. No. Yeah, give us yep. your thoughts on intellectual property. Okay, intellectual property. It's, it's a fuzzy area. The, the big problem with intellectual property is not the actual ideas and things like that. There's development costs and other things that go into an idea. Now, we're worried about people being the little guy being crushed. Now, without intellectual property, what ends up happening with these people? Well, if you create an idea, some other big business hears about your idea. They don't have any you don't have any legal recourse if they go through the whole process and start making 50 billion widgets of what they do. Now they can always look at it a different way and things like that and you have to fight it. But at least if you have a patent or something on your side, you've got a little bit of a fight there. Let's take China, for example. Um, China, when I went there in 2007, I was working on my MBA, yes, I'm pure evil, um, or at least had the partial lobotomy, not the full lobotomy. Um, <laughs> we talked about this specific topic. And there were two sets of professors there, the British professors, ones who helped British, British citizenship and the one, the Chinese ones. The British ones told us very clearly, don't bring anything over here because you bring it over here. What's going to end up happening is you'll partner for six months. They'll copy it. They'll figure out a way to do it just a little bit differently. File for a patent in China, get it, and they'll mass market and put you out of business. The Chinese professors came in and said, yep, that's what we're going to do. And we're... <laughs> And, and and to top it all off, they, they laughed at the whole idea of intellectual property. Now, this is what the workaround has been in the U.S. and everything else. And Lou, you and I live near Warsaw, Indiana, orthopedic yep. capital of, of the world. If you get if your aunt mom gets a hip or something like that, it's probably from just up the road. <laughs> um, with that in mind, we don't ship anything good over there. Why? Because it gets copied. It gets redone and gets put out mass market over there in China. Now you think to yourself, well, you know what? I want to go ahead and have yeah, everybody will get a cheap hip. The problem with the cheap hip, and this is what's going on in China, is that that cheap hip doesn't last 20 years. That cheap hip lasts five, 
seven. Now imagine if you're, that's your grandma who's supposed to have hips, supposed to last 20 years and oops, sorry, not covered under warranty. Sorry, grandma, you gotta either get another hip or you just don't get another hip because you're too old and we can't do the surgery. Have a nice day. So that's, that's one aspect of it. Now, when it comes down to where intellectual property is abused, and trust me, when you were talking about that lovely little that lovely little story of long, long time ago, Sam, when the internet was young, and we all went out and we used to go on to things like uh, Newzilla and Napster and Napster. things like that. You're talking to the guy who was the uh, who was uh, an admin on a website called MetallicaSucks.com. Uh, we ran it because Metallica went against their uh, policy. They used to allow tapers and things like that to be able to record their concerts. And then Lars Ulrich decided to come out to be the poster boy at the worst possible time to, uh, to be against Napster. We all knew it was the future of music. We all said it was the future of music. And we all ran that website telling them very clearly it was the future of music. Um, uh, Metallica actually ended up, we ended up giving it to them for for uh, 30 pieces of silver. Um, actually, I think it was more trinkets <laughs> than anything. Um, but the reality is, is that um, the industry knew it was changing. Um, the abuses that were going on by the RAA were well-documented and were protected by government. So how do we fix this? And I know I've gone over my 30 seconds. Sorry, Hoodie. I've, I've exponentially blown through it. Um, I think I took 10 minutes. You're good. You're still good. Yeah. Um, the, the big thing is this. There's a big difference between patents and intellectual property. File patent, you have seven years. Seven years, make your money, okay? After seven years, it can go on the generic market. We see this all the time with pharmaceuticals, okay? They file the patent. Hey, we have the rights to this formula for X amount of time. You have to go and file that patent in a whole bunch of other countries. You know, you can't just file it in the U.S. It can have some application. Otherwise, we got to go to the EU. You got to go to China. You got to go to other places. So you go and file those patents. They have to be approved. Can those countries copy them? Yes, they can. But then you can also just restrict them from getting it. So there's a lot of give and take in this that has to say, hey, look, we want the newest items coming here. We have to honor this somehow one way or another and figure out a way for it to get to market and be, and be safe. And also make sure the people that are in putting the money into investing, because making drugs, making hips, things like that isn't cheap. Make sure they can make their money back. So um, I, have really. a, I have a question on the medical side. And you may yeah. know this, and I don't. Um, I Before you were on, I, I was telling Hody about a, a medication that I was on that was under patent. Mm -hmm. And then they, like, continued to renew their patent. Right. And it was... In, in my, like the time I was on it, it was like 10 years, but I want to say it was closer to 20 years. They had a patent on this medication. It was $1,300 a month. That's ridiculous. Like, I can finally get a generic now. Yeah. That mm -hmm. sucks. <laughs> yep. It, it does. And it's insane. And it's terrible. Yeah. And I think that that's where the patent abuse and the intellectual property abuse comes into play. If we are allowing companies to abuse it. The the 100-year-old Mickey Mouse story, you know, okay, now we're 100 years past when he's dead. We're 5,000 years past when he's dead. This is where we start talking about, well, they patented the wheel, they patented this, they're going to equal, you know. There's a point where we have to have a demarcation line and say, look, you invented this, you better have made your money by this point because after that, people should be able to go ahead and make it better. 
Um, I do think that applies to pharmaceuticals. I think that applies to pretty much everything. Um, I do think like the Harry Potter storyline, how long did it take for the Harry Potter movies to come out? It took more than seven years. How long did it take Star Wars? Jesus Christ, George Lucas ruined my freaking childhood. Um, <laughs> it, it took way more than seven years. Now, there can be an argument made that while the author's alive, you know, they should be able to reap some of the benefits. But, you know, there's a balancing point we have to come to as a society and say, all right, after 20 years, guess what? It's free reign. If I want to write Star Wars porn novels, George, you can't sue me. Have a nice day. <laughs> you know, that's funny. Um, Disney actually tried to sue a tattoo artist for doing a Disney themed tattoo and they lost big time. Mm-hmm. I, I don't believe you're allowed to use uh, the term Super Bowl unless you've gotten express written consent from the NFL. No, and so, not. And, and so, uh, <laughs> and I know that that's one that they actually will like. They'll follow up on. Oh yeah. Uh, like they, even like individual, like you put on a poster that's like come to my Super Bowl party, and if they see yeah. it, they'll, like even if you're just like a neighborhood barbecue guy, they'll they'll. That's why so many are like the big game. Well, yeah. as long as you don't charge money. If you charge money, that's where things cross the line. Oh. You charge money. If you say, come to my Super Bowl game, no admission charge, and bring BYOB, whatever, mm -hmm. they can't touch you because it's yeah. personal use. And that's the difference also with intellectual property. If I go out and write a Star Wars novella that has Han Solo finding out he's force sensitive and that he can suck Leia's brains out with bendy straws or something, um, I've just crossed three different uh, storylines there. Still better than the prequels. Honestly. Still, well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah, anything's better than that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, and it's been Brian Lindsay's going to jump on here in a minute. <laughs> um, but the thing is, is, if I write that and I don't charge a penny for it, that, that that's kind of okay. Even right. if it gets distributed, the minute I start charging for it, that's where things get weird. And that was the Napster argument because Napster was going, well, you know, we're not charging anyone. These are people sharing their files and stuff like that. And it's a little bit different in the internet, in the internet age, because obviously we can share anything and everything anywhere. But that also gets to where the RAA and the MPAA all kind of were figuring this out as they went. The RAA was panicking because they saw their revenues plummeting. Uh, deservedly so. Uh, the cost, I think, of a CD nowadays in today's dollars from when Napster started, I think, would be like right around 35 bucks. Um, the sequels were worse. Oh, Justin, I'm sorry. If you need professional help, we'll get it for you. Um, <laughs> Waiting um, for the Sarah McLaughlin to play in the background. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we've got to figure out a balance. And I think that's the thing is that if we abandon it, we get into the China mode. You have big corporations developing using their legal might to scare anyone who's ever got a better idea out of the business, out of the, out of the picture. If we have too much intellectual property, we become the Disneyfication where every, you know, every creative idea is, oh, well, that's derivative of Mickey Mouse. Why? Well, there's a circle in it. Okay. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And... The so yeah. let me ask you then, Brian, wh what do you think, how, how would you propose then to keep the government from doing exactly what it does now if they're in control of intellectual property? How would we stop them then from, you know, from doing what they do currently with many of these things, which is, oh, you're seven years applied, but 
we decide to decline everybody else's application and only approve yours. And so you've still right. got Monopoly because you paid us millions of dollars. What's the, what's the kind of, because for me, that's, that's, I, I would like a solution to that before I'm like, okay, intellectual property. I'm okay with that. Yeah. But most patents though, when it's usually first file, I mean, yeah, there's ways you can say, well, this is prior art. You know, we can prove that his is wrong, but ours is fabulous to go ahead and do it. But looking at that, that that's where I think the demarcation line is. And that's where we have to go in and say, look, if you've got a patent and we don't want patent trolls, that's the last thing I want to have is everybody patenting, breathing and stuff like that and say, ah, you can't breathe for seven years. We've got to have a process to where inventions that are inventions that, that, that provide a common, you know, they have, they have value and a common good. You can't go up and say, well, I'm patenting straws. You know, there's prior art and you have to kind of go through a fight on that to, to, to prove it wrong. But it's unfortunately the best system we have right now. I would love to see a system where there's no extension after 14. Uh, in fact, I prefer to say like it's a no at at seven after seven years, you know, and, and I could say intellectual property of like storylines and stuff like that. Maybe maybe give that a 14. But like I'm in, you know, I've invented a new type of windshield wiper. Great. Seven years, make your money. And then guess what? It goes out into public domain. Yeah. I just, so again, though, how, how do we stop them from, from saying, okay, your, your seven years are up, your 14 years are up. Mm-hmm. We're going to go ahead and renew that for you again. Or we're. <laughs> So vote, vote, vote better, I guess. Uh, the, well, no, yeah. I, I, I love the idea always of like having in some sort of like, um, and, and excuse the term suicide clause. Um, if you do this, you all lose your jobs and pensions. Have a nice day. Uh, it, it, it's, it's very tough to enforce and it's very tough to work through. But the idea that, yeah, you know what, if you go ahead and do this and it's like the Britney conservatorship and stuff like that. There could be cases you could make. You know what? We, we want to keep a patent on nuclear weapons because, you know, we just don't want everyone developing one. I think that's wrong. And, of course, you could build one if you have the right materials. Computers are far more complicated than a nuclear weapon. Um, but the thing is, it's just that there's some things that we probably have to say, you know what? Yeah, it's probably a good idea to go ahead and allow that to go to 14. But I, I would say it's the definitely the extreme exception, not the rule. So I I think what it is, is that it it gets to burden on the patentee, not the patenter. So if it's like after seven years, you got news or you better come up with a heck of a reason why you should keep exclusivity. And I honestly think that the higher burdens you put on the person with the patent to say, hey, we really want to keep this. We have a darn good reason. That's going to weed out a lot of it. So it's unfortunate to put it into a legal mess where you need lawyers and things like that. It really is not that hard to file for a patent. It's hard to defend it sometimes. And a lot of people look for prior art to kind of get your patent thrown out and get theirs approved. But then, of course, that gets to, all right, if you're, you know, no one's going to file, you know, no individual is going to file for more than, let's say, 12 patents a year. There you go. You get get a person that invents it and guess what? You get 12 patents a year. Pick good ones. It can also be pretty expensive, like mm-hmm. hiring a patent attorney or um, those sort of things. And I, I do feel like sometimes that really puts some, you know, it puts the little guy at a disadvantage. Absolutely. You mm-hmm. know, and I, I there's there's a big problem there. Yep. 
not disagreeing one bit. Um, but the converse of that is if they have nothing to right. defend it with, then you're just totally screwed. So, I mean, at least you've got a chance. And I can tell you personally, I've had family with, with patents um, that they've had to defend. Uh, they were, they were obtained while working for large corporations of the corporation held the patent in the end. But um the reality is that, you know, it is, it can be an expensive process, especially in a competitive environment. Um, but in reality, oh, <laughs> I'll get to that in a minute, Sam. Um, <laughs> it, it still gets to the point that somebody has to be able to defend their ideas and have an ability. If all of a sudden tomorrow morning we go and say, you know, we're going to go patent free. I got news for you. The, the innovation in this country is going to suffer significantly. Yes, the market will will adjust. Yes, the market will. But there's a lot of companies that put a lot of money into this. And we can criticize how much money is spent. But then we can also criticize that, like for pharma and things like that. Those studies aren't cheap. Anyone that sits there and says, well, you know, we, we just go ahead and just, you know, we'll, we'll kick back on the not do as many studies and things like that. Guess what? You start missing stuff. And I mean, COVID is unfortunately, we're all in a phase four trial right now. We're all the participants. If you got the vaccine, welcome to the club. Um, but this is stuff that would be baked through in a Not five, seven year trial. So, so uh, Jacob, we have him on the call. Uh, you're muted right now, Jacob, but can you hear me? Are you here? Can you hear him now? Oh, and, oh, now no. and now he's gone. Okay. Well, he, he, I happen to know he doesn't like intellectual property either. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I'm going to make all those great points for him Go that for he would have made if he were. I'm going to make all those <laughs> great points. Oh, he's back. Jacob, how are you doing, buddy? Can you hear me? I can hear you. I went to unmute and accidentally hit back. That's <laughs> <It was> unfortunate. <laughs> That's um, okay. That's okay. I meant to hit separation. I accidentally hit divorce. That's how my last marriage ended. Oh. <laughs> it was a. Uh, it was the, the checkboxes were so. I was going to say they got. That's a bad UI design. You know. Yeah. It's really. They really should make that distinct. Unfortunately, there's a patent that regulates how close those buttons have to be. I'm not allowed to have different. Well, it, it's probably a law, Hobie. Let's be honest. It's not a patent. It's a law. Well, we'll talk about a monopoly on uh, on documentation. Anyway, Jacob, go ahead and give us your thoughts on intellectual property uh, for a few minutes here. Um, yeah, I mean, my thoughts on intellectual property is a lot like Santa Claus, which is like, I don't really know how to talk about imaginary things. <laughs> okay. No, okay, so I can give, I can give right. a little longer one, but I just needed to start right. with the, uh, <laughs> the, the coy yes. one first. I mean, you know, I mean, <laughs> I understand the theory and the idea behind it, which is like, we're trying to reward people for being innovative. And it's the idea of we want people to be able to make as much money as they can, at least for a somewhat like, you know, like some, some kind of period of time that society deems is reasonable to be like, you know, for the first three years, five years, however long we want to decide on, uh, the, the original creator of an idea should be able to solely profit off of it. And this incentivizes people to uh, be innovative. And I get the reasoning behind it, but that doesn't just because you can conceive of, a, of an idea and say, well, look, this idea in theory is a, supposed to incentivize really good behavior. Like I get that, but when you label it intellectual property, like the whole entire subject we're talking about, 
um, to me, you're muddying the water of what property is. And I just, I don't think that it's helpful just from a pure philosophical uh, standpoint to call these things intellectual property, because the, the idea that we can own ideas, that we can own concepts, I just don't think is philosophically valid from any libertarian standpoint. I don't even think I need to put on my anarchist hat to argue against it. I could be a, you know, like a minarchist of whatever flavor. I could be a Diane Rand objectivist. I could be a centrist minarchist. Um, I still think my uh, beliefs would be the same, that, you know, property is uh, that which you mix your labor with in terms of things that are tertiary, things that are in the real world, uh, things that are, you know, numbers, ideas, colors, concepts, patterns, uh, and even inventions. I just don't see how you can draw a line that's consistent. And to me, like when you look at the things in our society today that are protected through the various forms of intellectual property that we have, I just don't see any consistency in them. It's like, why is this something that can be copyrighted and this isn't? Um, and, and a lot of times, I think when we look at then, if we want to get out of the realm of the philosophical and just talk about, well, what are the consequences of, of these laws? I think they do a lot more harm than good. And um, I think that there are ways that in a free market, we can incentivize people to be uh, innovative that don't rely on this concept. Uh, I expected you to kind of refute what Brian uh, said, but I think uh, I think a lot of that kind of syncs up. It's like we understand that maybe somebody should be entitled to some time with their with what they created, with their with their innovation, with their you know may, maybe a certain period of time that that seems reasonable. But yeah, I just I just unfortunately we have reasonable people kind of in charge of enforcing that, and it just kind of makes a mess of it. Right. Um, to, I mean, I guess to double down on, on what Jacob said, I, I, I do appreciate the fact, uh, I mean, the joke is is not just well taken, but I think it's important to recognize that it is not property in the form of when we talk about economic scarcity, when you're basically attempting to ec economize something that actually doesn't fall in the definition of economics. The scope of economics is the allocation of scarce resources without any alter alternative uses. And a lot of these have many alternative uses and a lot of them are, none of them are scarce. And uh, so so it's hard to, it is, property is probably the wrong word for it. I don't wanna necessarily nix the entire point of intellectual property just on a technicality, but at least saying like, hey, we wanna reward innovation. Now, I guess I will propose this conundrum to uh, to you here. My issue is this, like I mentioned with the chefs or with the artist or even with Superman who there, you know, four different companies have written about him at various times and people will say, well, I like this one better. This is the one that I watch. This is the, the comic book that I watch. This is the whatever. There can be eight different Superman plot lines going. There's a ton of different Spider-Man plot lines going, but ultimately people gravitate towards one that is the best, whatever they do the best job with. So I don't necessarily think that inventing the concept of Spider-Man, Superman, or even the blender, I, I don't really love it because my idea, my thought is if you make the best blender, then you made the best blender. You know, you, people are going to get that one regardless of what stamp you stick on it or who came up with the concept of blending things. 
if you've done it the best, then people are going to use yours. If you're the best chef, people will eat at your restaurant, regardless of how many people try to, you know, oh, I copied their logo and I stuck it on mine. Yeah, but people very quickly are going to be like, hey, that's the real Emerald Lagasse restaurant. That one that Cody John's opened up his in his basement with like the string Christmas lights across the corridor. That is not actually an Emerald Lagasse restaurant. Like that is. But if you're smoking meats, I'll still come eat there. Uh <laughs> oh God, you should have been here today. Pork loin. Oh my. Ooh, God. We did that a couple weeks ago. Yes. Well, I think never... fabulous. To, to piggyback yeah. off what Hody's saying, I mean, think about Imagine. art. Like people, people aren't going to. Like we don't need intellectual property laws for people to pay more for a legitimate uh, Picasso drawing versus a, a fake one. Like the, the market takes care of something like that, right? People don't want to buy something like, or, or maybe they do. Some people might, but hey, I just want to buy a $30 replica of this painting. And then some people will be like, actually, you know, I want an authentic something that's been certified to actually be done by the actual artist. And, and right. so, you know, I think that this applies to a lot of things. Like, you know, if someone blatantly ripped off Mickey Mouse and made like a, a copy Mickey Mouse, but it was Universal or DreamWorks or whatever, and it wasn't Disney, a lot of people would be like, oh, okay, well, I mean, that's not Disney. That's not who made Mickey Mouse. Like people associate Mickey Mouse with Disney. So sure, they might make some sales, but I don't think that they would actually hurt Disney. Um, or, yeah. but vice versa, if they actually made something that was compelling and people wanted to see, then Disney should just respond by going, oh, okay, so they're making stories about Mickey Mouse. Um, let's, you know, let's go out there and compete. Let's remind people Amazing. that we invented Mickey Mouse. Let's make better stories with Mickey Mouse, push out the Mickey Mouse branding more. And, and, right. you know, at the end of the day, the winner is the consumers. So, um, I think, and I think there's ways through contracts and, uh, you know, there's, there's, there are steps that inventors, authors, artists, musicians, there are things that they can do to kind of protect themselves and, uh, and to help give them an edge in the market, um, that, that don't rely on, uh, you know, I, patents and copyrights and things like that. And okay, I, I know this is a little off topic here, but I think one of my favorite, like things about copyright and pat, you know, that trademark and that kind of stuff is that there is like an exception for satire, yeah. like obvious satire. And so anytime we have the IP conversation, Mickey Mouse comes up, I always picture the South Park Mickey Mouse. Yeah. And I like that. <laughs> I, I, the one so that God comes. Bless whoever wrote the satire law in there. Oh yeah. That's that, that's been a lifesaver. And, it really and our guys have, have, it's made my life better yeah. I, i'm gonna hold up and those that aren't watching it this is one of my favorite ips that's been preserved for eternity and that's calvin and hobbs oh, i love calvin, I love and, calvin hobbs. and hobbs and and i'm gonna yeah i'm pulling out the the waters and art discussion he has fought every commercialization of calvin and hobbs um he, he has and not been evil about it but just hey please don't do it there have been great comic writers who have gone on and written little sequels you know where calvin gets married to Susie and things like that and uh, they have a kid and then they get the kid gets hops it's beautiful um oh, now I have to I, go find that I, it's yeah it's tough to find because they, they the guy took it down because he I think he got a I think he got a DMCA notice from Watterson. um 
But that being said, you know, <laughs> Bill's still alive. And I understand why. Whenever I see the shitty Calvin peeing on a Ford Dodge Chevy thing, yeah, it irks me a little because I know that that's not what he wants. But I also know I would love to have a Hobbs to give to my grandson. Right. You know, you have to hand make them. Remember, that gets back to the personal exemption here. So, I, yeah, it, it's one of those things where. You kind of, it's a balance. And can you tell Bill after 20 years, you know what, you don't have the rights to that anymore. Um, right. It's, it's a tough argument sometimes for me. I do think that there has to be for something as, as, as beautiful as this, which, which needs time to develop. I mean, if you, if you come up with an idea of, let's say a storyline that, that needs time to develop, you're going to develop it in, in, in two or three years, writing books and stuff like that. You look at some of the early novels, like the expanse and things like that. They need time to develop the character arc. And that unfortunately takes time. So you have to kind of give those guys a little bit of time before you start coming out with the, you know, Calvin and Hobbes meets, you know, Bloom County. Oh wait, that's already happening last week. That was awesome. Um <laughs> This actually, this, yeah, this connects to a point that I had made, I, I believe, before you got on about tattoos. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, people come in and say, oh, you, well, you can't copy artwork. But then when somebody wants a tattoo, you give them a tattoo because whatever. Yeah. That said, there is one, aside from like, I, I will not do racist tattoos like right. ever, like, but one that I will never, ever do is if someone comes in and they want the Punisher skull, but yeah. like with the thin blue line. Yeah. When the artist and the author have specifically said like that is so antithetical to the character of the Punisher right. and we're like anti law enforcement in that sense. Like if someone came in and asked for that, I would tell them absolutely not out of respect for that. Like, the author and the artist there and the character and all of that, even regardless of like, that's just my personal respect. And I think like, that's kind of my mentality on IP in general is don't be a dick. Like it, it could be yeah. that simple. Like don't be a dick. And that's, and that's hard to do in a libertarian world. It's not impossible. Don't get me wrong. We, we, <laughs> we've got plenty, but what I'm saying is, is that, you know, that there's a time frame where we have to say, look, okay, this needs to go out into the world and there may be great things developed from it. Um, I think in or intangible items, you know, I cannot, while I have the book, I can't grab Hobbs out of the book and have Hobbs go sell hemorrhoid cream. Um, but, but I can have Hobbs there on the pages and stuff like that. I would like to see that somehow where there's, I think 20 years is probably enough to where and the, the storylines, the basic storylines of 20 years ago have already gone their course. They made their money. They're out on VHS even, you know, it's how desperate they are to get people to watch it. Um, so I think there's a timeline for that for tangible products, you know, things that are really interesting and compelling to humanity. I, I still think a seven and seven is probably a good amount of time. The only caveat I'd put on that is that exclusivity for like drugs and things like that, which have a long development time. It isn't just, you know, two years and it's out the door. It could be five years. That's where you start getting into, well, okay, you completed your phase three, you got approval. Guess what? You got three years from this date or four years. 
and and that should allow most people to make money back. Um, it's not perfect. And yes, if don't be a dick wouldn't work, we wouldn't need laws against merch. Trust me, I know there's a lot of don't. I do totally it. agree. Yeah, totally agree. But unfortunately, well, I mean, holes at assholes. So, I mean, did I mean? Here's a question. I'm like, I want. I wish I would just. I knew the answer, but I'm going to ask it. And even though I think I'm right, I could be wrong. But like, did Shakespeare have intellectual property laws protecting his works? Did, no. did the Odyssey have intellectual property laws? Did, did, did Homer have it? To, you know what I mean? Like, it just to me, it's like, I don't see the need for it. We, we, we can go back hundreds and thousands of years to authors who wrote great pieces of, of literature, and those things have been preserved throughout history. And, they, and there was no major problem with people copying their things. And, and even today, like, I think the only real The internet ruined that. Yeah, I was gonna say. We I mean, not really. That. The internet ruined that with with crappy fan fiction, which I mean, no, is crappy no. fan fiction. I mean, I think that the I think that the uh, talent means a lot, and not everybody can write. So yeah, like uh, J.K. Rowling can write Harry Potter, and it's amazing. And I could go into the Harry Potter fan fiction stuff and write my own Harry Potter stories. But let me guarantee you. Uh, nobody read my Harry Potter fan fiction when I was 12 years old and thought it was worth <laughs> shit. Okay, so well, I, I just, you know, it's like I, I don't, I don't think that the, I'm not saying it's it's perfect, right? Like, yeah, I can conceive of, you know, maybe there being instances where uh, people do try to copy someone else's work. Maybe they are talented, but then it's like, well, how close to a copy is okay, and how close isn't? Because there's so many things in literature that kind of are, oh, this story is almost exactly like this story, but with a few elements changed or with a different theme or just, you know what I mean? So it's like, where do you draw the line? Is it only exact copies are disallowed? Or what if you copy something in in spirit or in essence, or it's like you, you have the same uh, story, but with the characters having different names? It's just, I don't know where you draw these lines and how you do that in a way that just doesn't become tyrannical, like I think the current system we have does. Mm-hmm. Anybody else hearing? And that was a huge thing, but, but but here's the funny thing. I mean, okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say something terrible here. What's the difference between Star Wars and a spaghetti western? Except they have lightsabers and uh, zappy guns. Right. Not much. Um, but, the spaghetti westerns, like they have much better aim. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. <laughs> well, the stormtroopers are missing on purpose. Um, one <laughs> hot shot first. Um. But, but that being said, let's go back to your, your point about the Shakespeare, the Odyssey, things like that. Who could afford those things to have books of those? It wasn't the plebes. Plebes couldn't even read back then. So if you're going to see, if you're going to have Shakespeare in your life, you're going to watch it get performed by somebody, uh, usually in London, because it wasn't exactly like, you know, Shakespeare was on a world tour because, you know, well, I don't know, dysentery and slow transportation. Um, but in reality, that was controlled by the rich. The rich were the ones that had books. Libraries were a thing that rich people had. They'd go out and show, look at my lovely library of books from around the world. That only cost me like $50 billion in today's dollars and probably cost about several hundred serfs lives. But this is an awesome library. Look what, And I'm the only one that gets to read it. So we have changed things a bit. Uh, instead of it being insanely expensive to have the Odyssey, insanely expensive to have something transcribed from its original language into a language that you can understand, which was also not cheap, and having it hand transcribed 
Um, having all of that uh, was an expensive process. And compared to speaking to nowadays, I can go on, you know, whatever, Amazon, whatever else, and buy or download a book or a PDF or stuff like that. I mean, hell, there's, we're, we're, we're suffocating in fan fiction. Um, and most of it's terrible, but that's okay. I'd rather have 50 billion terrible artists than one good artist because I got news for you. That's 50 billion. Uh, I, there's probably 10 million that people think are great artists, even though the rest of them are terrible. So, and, you know, I, it, 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 we're trading one problem for another, but I think this problem's better than just saying, okay, well, guess what? You're only rich. You're, you're the only one that's going to have it. I mean, I think this just gets down to like we, we might just have a fundamental philosophical disagreement on this, which is just to me, you know, my axis or yeah, yeah my, my, my axis I'm operating on is that I'm okay with actions so long as they do not violate the nap, right? Yeah. So I'm just like, when it comes to this topic of intellectual property, it's like, I'm always acting, I'm always asking, where was the initiation of force? And unless someone can show me where the initiation of force was, I'm just not compelled to say that should be banned. That should be uh, like, when we say we're going to put something into law, we're going to codify it in law. That is saying that you are going to enforce that rule with the force of the government. We're libertarians. We know this. So now you might but, say, well, it's not fair, but to me, fairness is completely different from the NAP, completely different from libertarian uh, ethics and views of, of property rights. We can say maybe life isn't fair sometime and we could wish and we could we can wish and not only wish, we can encourage a culture that tries to be more fair, but that's different. Like to me, that's like um, you know, to me, libertarianism is a thin philosophy that talks about property rights, that talks about uh, uh, individual freedoms, that talks about the ability to act without being coerced against. It doesn't talk about uh, things like everybody, like what what is fair and what isn't. And like, wouldn't it be better if people could, uh, you know, make more money for certain ideas if we protected them? It's like, if we're going to do that, to me, that has to be done through some kind of market mechanism, through kind of like a cultural agreement. It can't be done through the force of the state, because to me, um, that's completely contrary to the 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 actual principles of libertarianism. Because to me, the, if the government, like again, I don't need to be an anarchist to say this. If I'm going to put on my anarchist hat, the state only exists to what? To protect rights. To to come in when rights have been violated and to restore justice. To either restore what was stolen or if somebody's life was taken or harm was done to you know to act accordingly to whatever you know set of uh, punishments we've come up with for people who uh, commit violence to incarcerate them in some way or some kind of ostracism or, or whatever um, but but that's what the state is for what I don't think the state is there for is to promote this idea of like what is fair and to enter into the market and say, well, we're gonna start, like, cause to me, like, once we see that, we're so far off the reservation of what libertarian views on the economy are. If we're gonna say the government should intervene to make things more fair, then we, like, like why why are you stopping at intellectual property? Why aren't you saying this for healthcare? Why aren't you saying this for, uh, like, you know, other areas of the economy where things might be unfair? I just, again, I need to see the consistency. I, I oh, go ahead. No, Brian, I'm going to give you the uh, kind of last thought on this before we head into the break. So go, go ahead if you just briefly want to respond to all uh, 
Jacob destroyed you. It's nice being on Jacob's side, but if you just want to try to salvage something here, bro. Really? No, I'm kidding. I'm, I, I'm I totally kidding. Just, I thought you just set me up to knock it out of the park here. Okay. Thank you, Odie. I mean, that's very kind of you. Oh, now, what I, 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 if you live in a true anarchist world, that and even a minarchist world, you don't want the everything can be uh, can be defended by force by the by the state, one way or another. We've gone ahead and said some things are going to be protected by the state. In the world that you want, the anarchist world, where intellectual property is not a thing and people can go ahead and take your ideas and stuff like that, and we can say, well, the market, and we're going to say society and things like that. The one thing I keep hearing from libertarians is, well, I didn't sign up for that society contract. Where is it? I haven't signed this. It's the first thing libertarians say. Well, it's uh, your taxes are just society's you know, cost of life. No, we didn't sign up for it. So now you're going to pull the society contract? No, that's, doesn't, that's not real. So the reality is this. We can come up with a system that says basically, look, you've, you've got a certain amount of time. Make your money in that time frame. We will protect your rights as long as that it is an original idea. You can't sit there and patent breathing. You can't sit there and patent a computer. You can't sit there and patent look, you know, why the lights on a Christmas tree. Why? Why? Because the prior art, that's the whole point of a patent. Because you can go in there and say, this has existed for all of eternity. Your uh, the description earlier of the wheel and say that I can keep that right for eternity. No, we've all said that's prior art. And that's the easiest way to take down patents because you can go ahead and have some patent troll go on in. And, and I'm not the pure expert on patents, but I will tell you, it's not impossible to get a shitty patent thrown out. And there are private organizations who are dedicated to finding those shitty patent trolls and taking them out. And I love it when companies big companies stand up against the patent trolls as opposed to just saying, throw them 10 K in, in cash and make them go away. Cause we don't want to spend the, you know, 500,000 or more defending their stupid patent. So I applaud those companies and anything. If you're a libertarian, you should be buying from those companies. There's a list of them online and I can put it in the show notes. Oh, Ooh, please do. I'm curious. Yeah, that's cool. I, I, I always thought it was just a matter of paying them off. All right, cool. Yeah, um, patents, look, intellectual property, um, I mentioned at the beginning of the show that this is one that doesn't follow along right and left lines. Um, I think, like, Benjamin Tucker was really against intellectual property and, like, Spooner was really for intellectual property. Like, it's just, there's a point to be made. I, I am kidding for all those who might be worried when I say Brian has no grounds with which to stand on. I might believe it, but I just, I still feel that, I, I understand that intellectually there is a point. Um, there isn't really a consensus for libertarians. There's a good reason for this. There is a question for the show about um, Kinsella. Um, we actually addressed most of his points without mentioning his name. Mm -hmm. um, oops, violated intellectual property. That's okay because Stephen Kinsella is opposed to intellectual property. Uh, you can find him <laughs> if you go to patent attorney, which I love. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> go to Mises.org. You can actually find um, a free PDF there. Uh, so, like the first eight Google links are like buy his book, but you actually can get a free copy there. Um, and it's, it's called against the intellectual buy property. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's called Against Intellectual Property. Um, it is, he spends about the first third of the book talking about the reasons people defend intellectual property. Then the middle third of the book, like talking about scarcity. It's just, it's, it, it's, it's interesting. It's good. It's very well sourced. And it's an easier read too. I know a lot of people, yeah. I am one of them. Sometimes I avoid like those sort of 
topics in reading. Right. Like I'll listen to people talk about it, but reading it is very dry for me. But yeah. this one's actually a pretty like it's very informative, but it's an easy read. You move through it easy. Just yeah, he's um he's uh yeah yeah it, it, it's good. It's well researched. There's 73 pages if you look at it online, but well over half of that is like bibliography, like quotes. So you can get, uh, we're talking 30 pages tops worth of actual reading. So it's, it's, it's a quick read. It's a good read. Um, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's basically that for this subject. Uh, I know they said, it, uh, if don't be a dick worked, we wouldn't need laws against murder. Um, politics is always downstream of culture. So if culture is against murder, then murder will said like laws against murder will suddenly be codified. So yep. I think for me, that's kind of how I view the, the the patent situation because it's like if the public turns against you you're not going to be able to maintain it for very long culturally i just i i think don't be a dick does work as well as ever because we can recognize what dickish behavior is look at karen's getting called out in public everybody recognizes karen except for apparently other karen's but you kind of just say like hey that person's a dick i don't necessarily need a law against karenism but I just say like, hey, that person or sucks. Or do we? No. Now, <laughs> right, or do we? No, like, the way I, I look at it is, is I always ask, am I willing to let the police shoot somebody over something I disagree with? Like, I don't think you should have a yellow front door. No. 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 So it doesn't and need it, to be a law. You have to right. prove the injury. That's the right. thing. Right, it's, exactly. It's the, the girl getting shot in Columbus is the absolute best case of police intervention. And oh, it was the girl that was stabbing the other girl. Yeah, it was, was going to go stabby, stabby. Um, and and the Yeah, and that was the clearest cut case of why A, body cameras are incredible. Um, and everyone, every, every, every officer should wear one. And if it's not on, you should be under discipline for that. And I can understand if you're taking a pee break, but... But they break There's, all the time. Come on, man. Yeah, I know. They do. It's like, wow, we just spent $5,000 on this camera. Wow. I and it camera. very conveniently broke right before I shot and killed this person in the back. Whoops. Yeah. But but um, that's where, yeah. Go ahead. I, Lou, I'm sorry. No, I know this is totally rabbit trail on a different topic, but I just, <laughs> quick response to that. Yes, in that instant, what the police officer there, I believe, did the only thing he could do, and he made the right call, unfortunately, However, the bigger picture <laughs> is that there's a, a bigger problem behind that that took the officer so long to get there and it led her to feel like she had to take things into her own hands, unfortunately, which is what led to her death. Right. She was wrong in the moment for doing what she did, what a, you know, that sort sure. of thing. Sure, but sure. The... <laughs> Where I mean, the direction I was going with this is basically talking about how I, I see culture is playing, and I think all of us would agree would be, would be would be substantial to this. Brian may be correct that maybe there's something we do in the interim. He mentioned that if we got rid of it all tomorrow, would it be rocky for a bit? Yeah, I mean that's pretty much everything government has. If we got rid of welfare, would it be rocky for a bit? Immigration, rocky for a bit. Uh, the Fed, Rocky for a bit. Well, no on that one. But the rest, yes, most things tend to be very... <laughs> oh, holy, these, we could have a discussion on that one. I'd fight I, on that one. I am kidding. I am very much kidding. Yeah, things would be Rocky for a bit. Do I believe well, that we'd figure it out better than the government has it figured out? I do. Others might not. And you know what? 
it's okay to have a difference of opinion, guys. So we're going to hit a quick break, and then we're going to be right back with a piece of my mind. So hang on for just a second. And welcome back, everybody. So pleased to have you stay through the break here. It's the piece of my mind segment, uh, which can't be possibly more boring than talking about intellectual property. I don't, I don't know how it could. So uh, we're going to talk about anything that we want to for me uh, we have renewed some bombings against, I'm supposed to say Iran. The problem is, is the targets are in Iraq and Syria. Um, and guess how many countries we are agitating in the process of doing this. <laughs> we are not making Iran happy. We're not making Syria happy. Iraq is actually the ones they've actually come to the, um, UN talk about how this is a violation of their sovereignty because the property was on their borders. You can be targeting, it's like blowing up a target in the United States and saying, well, that's because we heard that Mexicans used it. And we were really targeting Mexico, but Mexi Mexicans were using your property. It's a violation of their sovereignty. I think they actually have a point when they make this appeal to the UN here. Um, of course, they've done it before and we have a little bit more pull than they do. So it's probably not going to change a darn thing. Um, the UN has passed several resolutions before where everybody opted to ignore the resolution. Um, and so this is, this is just something that's going to continue. We've had a whole war episode on this, and I don't know that I have more to add than what we've talked about in the war episode. This is just simply, it, it's a continuation of war. It's a continuation of agitating many, many countries. We already have reports that one child was murdered during these bombings that, We've killed people from all three countries, civilians. Um, our totals are currently some. Our totals are currently something like ten. But we always, unfortunately, when anybody's read like the Afghanistan papers, is aware that we kind of discount a lot of people that had nothing to do with it and count them as combatants. Um, but even by our own estimations, we have murdered people from multiple countries already, innocent people that are not part of the conflict. Um, and this is just since renewing these airstrikes only, only, uh, what, less than a week ago at this point. Um, but Biden's I, different. My hope, right. This is, this <laughs> is the exact thing is Obama was different and I, I guess I just want to challenge you if you are like a left-leaning person who tends to defend it. I remember thinking this because I was a right-leaning person for a long time too. And it took me a while to realize George W. Bush sucked. Now, all of my leftist friends realized that before he even took office, right? They would tell me he sucked. And I was like, whatever, you guys were always against him. Get out of here. I don't care. You know? And it's it's one of those things that like, it takes a while. Like it, you have to like feel it in your mouth for a little bit. Like George W. Bush sucked. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't feel right to say yet. And then finally, after like three to five years, you're kind of like, okay, George W. Bush sucked, but I'm a Republican still. And this is why something like that. I think that that moment is certainly here for Joe Biden. Um, I, I think people were waiting. I think he had a series of, and, and I will say this, just pretending for a moment that I am okay with a lot of government intervention. I would say I approved about half of the executive orders he signed on like day one, right? Like if I was going to believe in a big government, I am okay with fighting global warming, I guess. And I do, and uh, the dreamers, right? I want the immigrants to say, stay. Sure, right? Like, let, let, like I, if I'm being very expansive here, I'd say I agree with about half of them, with, which is a politician, not too shabby, right? But what has he done since then? Um, he's frankly been abysmal 
on the border. Uh, it is by any metric, according to any news organization, including ones like the AP, Reuters, I mean, very standard, normal news organizations. This is worse than Trump ever had it on the border right now. You look at the interventionalism overseas, the increase in the bombings, it's escalating up again. This is what happens when you put a Raytheon CEO in charge of your Department of Defense. Big surprise. Uh, you look at the militarization of the police. Black Lives Matter has called this out. The ACLU has called this out. The police are being militarized way more than they were under President Trump. Um, and now you have the bombings to go along with it. You were looking I just want to scream I told you so at all my like Democrat voting left-leaning friends. There was a lot of it. And look, here's the thing. Republican libertarians had to come up with it. Like they had their comeuppance, right? They, they, they had to realize it slowly but surely over the course of the last four years, right? This is the time. Here's the thing. Don't be the one that waits three to five years after all this is done and be like, all right, I guess he murdered a couple million people, whatever, right? Like do it now. Just, just say, you know what? This sucked. Sucked, and I and do I still believe he's better than Trump? Sure. If if you need to tell yourself that he's better than Trump, in spite of in spite of him being metrically worse in a lot of ways, if you still believe he's better than Trump because of you know something that's more important to you, like we'll just say global warming. Let's say you think that's the most important thing on planet Earth. Okay, sure, but let's not like ignore everything else. And now's not the time to be quiet about it. Just be ahead of this, is what I would say. This is war again. War sucks. And if you are going to go to war, you better make sure it's for bulletproof reasons, right? I'm not demanding as I'm not demanding you be an anarchist in this situation, but if we were stopping another Hitler, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a point, right? Like I wouldn't be able to get up and tell you that war sucks because we're stopping another Hitler. Unfortunately, what are we doing? We're blowing up like warehouses that couple Iranians have visited in retaliation for a contractor getting injured two weeks ago and we're killing innocent people because that's just collateral damage because they were in the area of the warehouse. Like these are stupid, right? These are stupid bombings. These are senseless. This is a waste of life. This will demonstrably make us weaker in the future. Like, I mean, I mean, it's just this, this, this is War that creates more war, this harbors, this increases American anti-American sentiment overseas. Um, and it's all bad. And I, I, I don't want to just, I, I didn't want this to be like Joe Biden sucks. Joe Biden does suck. I mean, and Lou is correct. My impulse is to say, I told you so. But you know what? I support people having optimism. I've been optimistic about a lot of people that didn't pan out. Uh, I mean, even libertarians, right? That I thought, this guy's great. And then I was like, oh, shoot, like one month later, this guy's not so good. And all my friends that said he's a secret racist were right. Or all my friends that were like, he's a secret tanky were right. Oh, well, live and learn. Hey, you I'm know? right here, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Jacob, uh, no. Uh, you know, and so really for me, like, just, just take this opportunity to look at this war, look at Joe Biden's approval, look at the Department of Defenses and be like, no, I'm not on board with this. Get off board of it right now because you're going to feel so much smarter in the future. Like, don't be don't be me with George W. Bush, where you don't realize he sucked until three to five years after it's done. Right. Like, I think I think a lot of the silence on the left is that they screamed and stomped their feet about Trump for so long. And 
kind of were lukewarm to get behind Biden, but it was like blue no matter who, really. Now they all kind of look dumb, but they're going to be real quiet about it. <laughs> and this is, I mean, we thought it was going to be different. Like, I, I and it's funny because I feel like the left came around. Like they finally, like where I was with George W. Bush, I think the left has finally gone like, okay, Obama sucked. I get it now. Like I got it. And now it's like, okay, but Biden's sucking for all those same reasons. Like, mm-hmm. You're judging a person or are you judging what they actually did? Right. Cause right. what happens is we judge the person while that we're there and we put on our rose colored glasses and just, Oh, I'm sure they're doing the best they can. And then we look at what they did like five years after the fact. And it's just, it's time for us to, to actually learn those lessons to actually learn. Like if you realize, if you're a Republican, you realize George W. Bush sucked, you can fine, stay a Republican, but like, at least realize why he sucked and look at those things, like write down the reasons he sucked and then look for another Republican that does it and say, and ask yourself, like, did my priorities stay the same? And if they didn't, maybe it's time to change. Anyhow, that's all I had to say. Uh, Lou, you gave, uh, uh, Jacob, Brian, any, anything to add to my, uh, the peace of my mind? there? It, it's, it's just so funny. Just, I, I honestly, Social media should be e- so easy to track to be able to sit there and go, okay, in 2008 to 2016, you thought, oh, my God, we're spending too much money. Then Trump comes in and you go, oh, we need to invest in America. Then Biden comes in, oh, we're spending too much money. Come on, social media companies. You want to say that I'm a terrorist because I shared a, a spicy meme about mayonnaise and Oreos being mixed together? Oh, my gosh. I know. My goodness. You know, That's that, that so was, midwestern. I know it was it was the it was the silliest thing, and it's like you know you're you're distributing fake news, please. So, and yeah, it's Biden's. Yeah, um, the thing that you run into is that it'd be nice to be able to go back to some of these people and say, "Hey, remember when you were like this?" Um, people though don't want to hear it. They want to stay with their tribes. Go tribe, my tribe, better than your tribe. Have a nice day. And it's not going to change, but the things that will change are the little things, right? school choice, term limits, things like that. We keep, I keep talking like I'm running for office. I'm never going to do that. Um, <laughs> That's what they all say. I know, but after seeing it kind of up close and talking to the people that are in it, kind of, kind of sensed it. If I, if I do run for office, I, I'm going to put it on record here. I fully give permission for someone to, tackle me and slap me into a cat scan machine to make sure i haven't had some sort of lesion or something going on up here that being said we got you <laughs> yeah you got my back thank you um that being said um nobody wants to leave their team but there but there are little things we can do to take steps towards liberty that i keep talking about like that because it's the mm-hmm. only way we're gonna get things to change so hey, we jacob, can't, yeah. jacob good stuff to say about biden mm-hmm. or bad whatever uh, yeah, I, uh, I mean, I remember the first time I came on the show, I kind of talked about how pissed off I was at the stuff going on in the border and that the, uh, mm-hmm. Democrats were kind of looking the other way. And even now it's kind of like, they're looking at it and going like, oh, yeah, that sucks. <sighs> Disappointed. Uh, but Hey, Trump's still not here. So it's like, it's, it's disappointing. Um, you know, I don't, and then like, Jacob, did we lose you, buddy? Are you still there? Hmm. Oh, he gone. Please. And Lou's got a doggy. Very cute Uh-oh. doggy. 
So for those who are watching the video feed, this is an adorable dog who loves to give kisses. Love that. Her name is Coco. I hey. delivered her with my own hands. You did? Oh, I did. From, from the puppiest of puppies? Oh my from goodness. Freshest pup. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, Brian, why don't you go ahead and give us a piece of your mind? Oh, I've been trying to think what I was going to talk about today. Um, I'm going to talk about talk Mayorio. Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk Mayorio. I want to talk Mayorio. I want to talk about using the word bang. I want to talk about using the word shoot. Um, Mayorio. You don't want to know. Um, But bang and shoot have so many different meanings. Um, A bang can be an energy drink, apparently uh, taking your wife or girlfriend upstairs, or it could be the process of shooting someone. Um, it gets back to the word shoot. Well, I'm shooting a basketball or shooting someone. It's still a multi-use word. The algo on most social media is stupid. Um, it is looking for certain people. I'm, I'm, I, I have no proof, so can put on the tinfoil hat now. Um, but I think it looks for certain people that to do things to dissent or discourage behavior. Um, because we're all in the social media circle and we all want to stay and play in the game. Uh, some of us are getting smart and getting out. I'm not there yet. Unfortunately, I've got way too much family online. Um, but it's a point where I, I love the arguments that social media companies can do whatever they want. But then again, when they do something that doesn't please the crowd, they want the government to go into it. So I keep on coming back to any type of censorship. Um, I mean, as a private entity, you can censor whoever you want, but it has a chilling effect and it has a negative effect long-term. And whether that's good or bad, uh, this gets back to the whole, don't be an asshole. Um, Google gave that up a long time ago. Facebook's given it up a long time ago. Twitter's not as bad, but it has done it as well. These companies need to learn, unfortunately, one way or another, and it's going to be through the market, to don't be an asshole. Uh, If someone is being an asshole and is sharing views that are extremist like uh, school choice or term limits, God forbid, we don't want to scare the the plebs with that one, um, then just, you know, have those people say, hey, I don't want to see your posts and be able to click it. It's not that hard to click the ignore button. We know we wrap it up and, you know, I'm being cyber bullied. I'm saying... Every time I said, "Why do you want the Why do you want the interaction?" Then just just click the block button, and if they come back, block it again, and keep blocking until there's no more blocking available. Um, sometimes that's not realistic that people can you know go in and and uh, get the, the hundreds of others to brigade against your ass, but that's rare. But I think in those cases, we we have to kind of tell these companies stop being our nanny, um, start letting us do the things we want to do, especially like say things like uh, going full South Park uh, with China and say terrible things about the Chinese uh, Communist Party. Uh, the people of China are wonderful. I met several of them. They're absolutely wonderful people. Uh, the party is tyrannical and probably the biggest threat to freedom on this planet. Um, but if you say that in the wrong place, the wrong thing, it'll get blocked, banned, whatever. Don't go on Disney. Dear God, don't say China sucks on Disney. 
All so. my uh, all, all our Chinese viewers suddenly blacked out for some. Yeah, days. exactly. This podcast suddenly got deleted. I, I didn't anyway. say that he looks like Winnie the Pooh. I didn't say that the guy. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say that at all. So for those who are uh, Brian, kind of alluded to it, but if you uh, uh, algorithm is stupid. I Von Sparger, member of the We're Libertarians Network, is so big on how dumb algorithms are. And I think it falls into the kind of libertarian idea that of like why rules and laws tend to be stupid because you make this broad sweeping thing and then it gets applied poorly. Um, if you say bang or shoot, was it like, shoot. like there's just kind of an automatic, like your post goes against our community standards. This is a strike against you. We'll see if you can appeal it. So if you shared a rep, rep recipe, one of my favorites for bang, bang shrimp, suddenly you get a thing saying, Hey, you're a violent extremist. You know, Hody, you sharing recipes for bang bang shrimp, or you know, <laughs> hey, shoot your shot. You know, when I say, or you like, you know, you miss a hundred percent of the so shots you don't shoot. Oh, you said shoot, and so now you've got a strike on your account, and you might be yep. a violent person because algorithms are stupid. Genuinely, um, I'm I'm going to add one more thing to this because I think Brian summarized it clearly. These things are dumb. Uh, just just for a fun tidbit, did you guys see that Coke was letting you put messages on bottles? And of course, they have an algorithm to filter out hate speech, which is great. We want to filter out hate speech. So you couldn't you could not put Black Lives Matter automatically censored out, filtered out, but you could put White Lives Matter. <laughs> and so that uh, that is a real thing. Go ahead and look that up. That's Coca Cola with their with their custom bottles. If that's um, not just, systemic racism. I'm not sure what is. Yeah. They're going back from the stop being white. So now they're just going full white power. So. Right. They're like, right. They're like, yeah, we, we did the oh anti-white thing. So now we got to do a lot of white kiss, it's kissing. Reverse, up. reverse, reverse racism. Yeah. <laughs> How many negatives can we hit in front of there? But yeah, you're right, Brian. Uh, Jacob, since we've got you, uh, any thoughts on uh, censorship? Oh, and now we boy. don't have Jacob. Uh, and now he's been censored. Yeah, I yeah. mean, <laughs> no, I'm I'm here. There's just a lag going on with the uh, the feed right now. I think so. That's they're censoring you. I say seems <laughs> yeah. to have a 10 second delay, but uh, yeah, exactly. That's what they're doing, man. I mean, you know, censorship is dumb. I don't know what else to say. I mean, uh, I think that the nanny state has conditioned adults to be children. Uh, we're, we're dumbing down the population and, you know, safe spaces are, in my opinion, like psychologically damaging. I'm not saying that we need to have zero standards and throw people out there and just be like, you know, like put everything out there, uh, you know, for the world to see. Like, obviously, like I have young children and I do try to shelter them from certain things. And even in adult discourse, there probably should be some things that are off limits. But I think, I don't know, with it with it Brian who said or someone said earlier, like the ignore button exists. Like I think self-regulation is kind of the best answer for these things. Um, and also just kind of learning to, uh, you know, not be emotional hemophiliacs, I guess. I mean, you know, I, again, it's not that I'm trying to say let's excuse shitty behavior, but rather like, um, you know, kind of like, like our, our, a good analogy be like the immune system. Like if you live in a bubble, and you avoid all viruses, all bacteria, all bacteria, all pathogens, you never get sick, your immune system is going to be like pathetic. Like you get sick once and it's going to be a really big deal. Uh, obviously at the same time, you shouldn't go around licking doorknobs and, you know, like 
eating things off the floor. So, I mean, what, you, know, you know, use some balance, use some tact. Uh, I don't know. I mean, do what you want. I'm a libertarian, whatever. Just in <laughs> seriousness, I mean, like, um, you know, you just, I think we, we, are, we are seriously underestimating the intelligence of adults. I know like some people might, might say, well, people are really stupid. Although I think that some people are stupid because like they've been raised in a society that like basically tells them that you are stupid and you need us to tell you what to do and what to think. And then that promotes two things. One, it promotes some people who actually do just like, they look to, to the media, they look to uh, government officials and stuff to tell them what to do and think, or promotes the, the opposite where people go, uh, no, I won't do what you tell me to do, but then they're just reactionary and they're still not thinking. So, you know, we, See, where have we, we seen to, that we happen recently? I mean, <laughs> that's the moral. That's that's the, the whole moral of my speech here right now is we just need to think. We need to use our brains and, uh, you know, promote a, a society that uh, raises up children and then encourages adults to think for themselves. That immune I system swear. analogy, if you don't copyright that, I'm gonna use it like crazy. Like just <laughs> I so, swear to God that will like most libertarian like 90% podcast coming out tomorrow. Ninety <laughs> percent of libertarians I know, if the government said, Hey, don't jump off a bridge, would all go jump off a freaking bridge. You so tell me what to do. Right? <laughs> exactly. So, uh, you know, and, and there's a reason that like we it's required now that there's a tag on your blow dryer that says not to use it in the shower. Not even kidding. Because nope. mm -hmm. somebody sued somebody because they misunderstood the the I, I still love the the 50s auto manual, which would uh, tell you how to change the the uh, valve height uh, of your car's timing. But and then now today's cars say don't drink the stuff out of the battery. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> pretty much uh, valve clearance, mm -hmm. I think it was. Um, but yeah, we we how can you not grow as a society if you aren't criticized for your behavior, good or bad? Um, and challenged on your behavior, good or bad. If I can't tell someone that they're being an asshole, they're never going to know they're being an asshole um, until it hits them in the face. And please don't do it when they're 27. Please do it when they're seven. Yeah. Maybe not use that term, but yeah, you know, if they stop. don't want me to drink it, don't make it pink. Anyway, uh, <laughs> is it, that's, that's just a good flavor of anything. Uh, Lou, go ahead and give us a piece of your mind, please. I'm going to keep it really short and sweet. Free Britney. That's oh, we're going to do that episode. <laughs> we should probably, I'm, would you guys be down for a full episode on that? Oh, friend? yes. I would. Oh, my yeah. God, yes, please. Okay. Yep. Okay. Oh, my God, yes. Off. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. Because I was like, I'm so mad about it, but this is a whole episode, but I had to say something. Like, mm. all right. And I the judge. Yeah. Oof. Lou, would you like this... a would you like a different piece of my mind? If we're gonna make a whole episode on this, I don't want to mess it up for you. I don't no, I don't no. Want this... no, no, no. We'll okay. make this like the fun teaser. The for... teaser? Okay. <laughs> this would be a great teaser. It's this... your hottest hot take about I just Britain, say though, right? like my favorite meme that has come out of this recently was the, you know, we asked the universe to free Britney and they gave us Bill Cosby. 
(laughs) And it's one of those, like, it makes me so angry. Like, I laughed, but I'm also really pissed. (laughs) Like, the dude got cut loose on a technicality after he admitted guilt. Yeah, but he was under, okay, Cosby got out. Because he was offered a deal of immunity with a prosecutor. Now his lawyers were stupid not to get it codified. But because he was given that uh, impression of immunity and had reasonable rights to believe he was under that he was under uh, uh, able to testify under immunity because he could have just said the fourth go away. I'm not talking because he was believing he had that he had his constitutional rights screwed up. And because of the way that that was done, yeah, they can't retry him. It sucks for the victim. It sucks for society. It's shit that we can even do that. Giving anybody immunity makes me... I I find myself with this subject wanting to say what Hody was saying like last week, where it's just like, if if the rules are making you do the wrong thing, then screw the rules, man. Like, Thank sorry. you. But, but but this gets back to this. Imagine that you're a kid that's being lied to by police. You know what? Whatever you say here, it's not going to be held against you. We promise you he's the district attorney. He's not going to do anything to you. And he just wants to get to who did it. Well, guess what? He wants to get you. I want that kid to be able to go to the friggin' Supreme Court to have get a 9-0 verdict against that asshole DA and cop who lied to the kid who said oh, that yeah. he was under immunity. Yes, it sucks Bill Cosby got away with that, but I'd rather Bill Cosby get away with it and a thousand innocent kids get away with it as well. I like my take, I think it I would take it a step <laughs> back. It's they they should not be allowed to offer immunity truthfully or not. I, I, I can go ahead, Lou. I'll let okay. you finish. I was it when it's <sighs> so many people confess to something they didn't do, right? To make deals, um, things like that. I I just think if you you nip it in the bud, where that's not an option, like giving a confession for immunity in truth or as a lie is just not an option. It's not something they're allowed to say or do. If you can't prove, like if they're not going to admit it and you can't pull the evidence, I don't know what to tell you, but at least we're not putting people in a position to feel like they're under duress to, you know, take a plea deal or make a confession for in exchange for something like that just has to stop all the way around. That's the only way to avoid all, all of that. It's complex. I mean, to go back yeah. to the to the I mean, the, the court stuff is complicated. Like, I understand on one hand, for example, we get mad a lot when rapists get out after like two years. And we're like, how did this happen? Or yeah. I mean, heck, if you're a white rapist, you get out after six months or something like that. Three, you know, three, three months. You get okay, convicted yeah. at all. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> Brock, Brock you guys are getting convicted. convicted. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's. No, I, affluence yeah but go ahead right i mean i mean but i I, i'm making kind of a snide joke but the issue is it's like why does that happen okay well if you said that the minimum suddenly was 15 years which is i think what most of us would if you rape somebody i mean for those of us who aren't pushing for life sentences we're like okay we'll take a minimum of 15 years sure um 
But the problem then is now you get a lot less people confessing. You get a lot less people actually getting convicted. You make it a lot less likely that these things happen at all, especially when these cases are built up on a lot of, especially in rape cases, you're thinking a lot of circumstantial things. And it's hard. Like I, I, it is tough to say, I don't want, believe me, I don't want the prosecutors to have any weapons. I mean, look at what the most weaponized prosecutors do with them. But it is hard yeah. for me to say, especially with a case like immunity, to be like, oh, I, I do want like a lot less people getting convicted for stupid stuff. So go ahead and give, you know, am I okay with drug boy getting immunity so that murder boy gets caught? Yeah, like kind of. But I mean, again, this goes back to my points earlier in the podcast with intellectual property. I'm sure that they will abuse it in some way and intentionally misuse it. There's some, they're, they're looking in right now, especially because it got this far with Bill Cosby and they're looking at it probably being likely that it, it was intentional, right? That it's that he was granted that immunity. His lawyers were aware. They're like, all right, let's go through with this thing. Um, you know, what was it intentional? And, and that's kind of a tinfoil hat type of situation, but it's hard to go back to the subject of Britney Spears. It is, I feel for her. I think there are times in my life where I've looked at her and been, and it, it, has she seemed like a nutcase? Yeah. Um, did she even this week go in front of a court and talk and look like somebody who maybe needed a lot of help in life? Yeah. Yeah, she did. She looked like somebody who needs some assistant assistance. Guess what? She's rich enough to have assistance, uh, rich enough on her own <laughs> success to have that kind of assistance yeah. and to have somebody else making these decisions that is not really providing substantially into her life. Um, it is it is bad. Uh, I, I believe her type of conservatorship is illegal in every single state except for California, which is where it's signed in. And there's a good reason for that, because these things are abusive and terrible. And um, there's also a reason that they had it signed in California, because that's the one place you could be abusive and terrible. Again, you enable you enable a bad person to do bad things with the power of government. Da -da, and that's what's going to happen. Uh, I am with you. Uh, free Britney. Jacob. No, is it my turn to bring something up or? Uh, if you want to talk about Brittany, but then it will, uh, you can, or you can just talk about a piece of your mind because you're the last one to go. Yeah. I mean, I think you guys covered Brittany and, and Cosby and all that pretty good. I mean, I don't know if I have anything I really want to bring up tonight of a particular subject. Um, really, I would have brought up what you brought up, Hody. Um, you know, with the, the, the recent drone strikes, I mean, you know, I think maybe I'll just, you know, close out a little, just, um, uh, banter on just how much I love the conversations that we have here on this podcast. I mean, I think that we have a really great crew that you assembled, Hody, and we all have different backgrounds and perspectives and, um, you know, we hop on here, we, we challenge each other, but we, we do it with, with good faith. We learn from each other. Um, and, you know, like just now with the, the banter on this last subject, I mean, I kind of came in against, like I was kind of taking uh, um, loose side kind of like against Brian. And then Brian made a point and I was like, oh, like, that's a good point. And I'm like stuck in the middle and I'm trying to figure this stuff out. But this is why. Brian does these, that to me all the time. <laughs> but this is why these conversations are so good and so and so important mm -hmm. to have because um this is this is how we grow we don't grow sitting in an echo chamber where we only hear the kinds of perspective that like you know people who already 
agree with us, who already have our point of view. Um, that doesn't help us to grow, doesn't help us to, you know, at the very least, even if you're like, even if your position doesn't change after you have a conversation with somebody who disagrees with you, it, it makes you refine your argument and makes you go back and, uh, you know, check things that you might have gotten wrong, consider data you hadn't incorporated into your uh, arguments and worldview before. Um, and, it, you know, it, you know, going back before where I was talking about emotional hemophiliacs, you know, that's that's part of this, too, where people just aren't able to have conversations without uh, going off the rails and getting upset. And then, then there's some people that just go, ah, I just don't talk about politics. I just don't talk about this or that because they, you know, they've gone the opposite way where they're just apathetic. And we need more of this where people are passionate and they care about what's going on in the world around them. And I think that's important, um, but they can do so uh, engaging with people who have different perspectives and, um, you know, enjoying the fight, but doing it from a place of good faith. I mean, like, you know, I've, I've been on the clubhouse uh, app a lot lately. And just earlier this week, I got into a room and found myself um, in a conversation with three anarcho-communists, which was like a bizarre situation to find myself in. But, you know, instead of it getting hostile and combative, um, we had like a two hour conversation about about anarchy and different, you know, libertarian anarchist uh, philosophers and thinkers and ideas throughout history. So it's like, you know, so that's basically all I wanted to say, which is just, I, I love I love this uh, group of people we got and uh, um, really glad that I'm a part of it. Me too. I, I just, I, the, the phrase popped into my head for anarcho-communism. Long live the glorious struggle against myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's clever. Oh, you know, I, I, I go, go ahead, ahead Lou. No, you, all you, Lou. No, I was just going to say, I, you know, it, it took me a while too, because I was like, you know, what is, we see the, the meme all the time, you know, anarcho-communists. Oh, you mean banana octopus? Like, <laughs> but like, I've, I have come to really actually understand and connect with the anarcho-communalist ideology. Yeah. Right. And I think that's where some of that, there communist communalist yeah yeah that's actually one of them called themselves a communalist or or, a, or an anarcho collectivist and they had different you know they, they changed their title probably four times in the conversation that we had but you know it, I think it, sometimes it's all, we do that to test the waters to see what you connect yeah. with and understand right right and and that's funny how I mean honestly in my head how much I changed it when I went from anarcho-communist to anarcho-communalist because communalist makes much more sense and this is why language gets really important because if you say I'm an anarcho-communist again you just all you have is visions of the CCP or the uh, or, or Soviet Union and saying I want to you know this glorious struggle of all of us stealing each other's stuff so we can be left alone, um, but. <laughs> But that's where it comes back to on a lot of this. Uh, these conversations are great, and I don't mean to dominate, even though my mouth starts going and I'm a sales guy, so I'm going to keep talking until you tell me to shut up. Um, but Wait, wait, I can tell you to shut up and that'll work? Yeah. Occasionally. <laughs> I I'll tell you 20, and then I'll give you 27 features on why you're wrong. No. Um, <laughs> um, no, it's... Um, it, it, these are the conversations we need to have. I mean, a lot of things that I was, if I look back to 20 years ago, you know, getting right after 9-11, I was thinking about my life actually about that because now I'm getting old. Um, 
and and looking at the differences and the different political views that I've held since then and now, that doesn't happen if somebody's screaming in my face telling me I'm the worst person on the planet. I, I've got kids. I, I already get that on a daily basis. So, you know, <laughs> it's not a big deal. Um, but it is. Yeah, that cuts deep. Yeah. I know, doesn't it? But mine are all grown now, so I can just say, get out. <laughs> um, but it's we don't have these discussions when we shut people down, when we, the, the right things that should be done. Two things. Number one, you guys sharpen me because if I, even though if I end up changing minds on a couple of things, I got to defend it. But two, if I'm wrong on something, I want to know why I'm wrong and I want to know why you're right and how we can find something that, that maybe I'm not ready to accept yet. So, you know, a social change or something like that. I used to be really against gay marriage. I thought, ah, you know, next thing you're going to do is go and marry your cow. And my buddy said, who's it hurting? And that was like the light bulb that went off my head. I was like, you're right. Who's it hurting? If the cow can consent, who cares? So (laughs) honestly, that was, that was, and it sounds stupid, but that was a light bulb moment for me. It was like, wait a minute, they're consenting adults. Who gives a bleep? Now, this was probably, you know, eight, nine years ago when Hillary Clinton was saying marriage is between a man and a woman and Barack Obama said the same thing that's been conveniently forgotten over history. Thank you very much. Um, But those are the things that without those conversations, we're all locked into our little positions until we can either get forced to change, which is a terrible way to do it, or until society catches up. And things that I never thought would be legal in my lifetime, gay marriage, uh, marijuana legalization, drug legalization, uh, those things, when you would have asked me 30 years ago, you know, again, the joke again, I'm going to use it again, Lou, uh, the guy outside the pot shop, hey, do you want to buy a pack of Newports? That never really even crossed my mind as being a reality in 2021. Of course, I'm still waiting for my flying car. It's still not here, so I'm getting a little pissed off. Elon needs to get his shit together. I was going to say, mm-hmm. you yeah. get on it, Elon. Yeah, come on, bud. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, well, I think that's, you know, I, I agree with all that. And, you know, it's it's funny, like, when we're talking about, like, um, you, you brought up a good point, Brian, which is, like, you know, that the change has to, it can't be forced on people. And, like, we can sometimes get impatient as, as libertarians or as people that we see things in the culture we want to change. Um, and it's not because, like, we... we we see we're, we see how much better things could be, and sometimes when you know any of us can get impatient, and we can try to force our views on people. But what what wins out is just you know having these conversations with people, meeting them where they're at, and, and leading by example. Yeah, I, I, the the inspiration behind this show um, this show was uh, founded based on an audience request to the We Are Libertarians Network. Somebody said I. I am looking for a show where kind of left and right liber- and center libertarians can come together and discuss their ideas so I can get an idea of where all where they stand on a variety of issues because I'm tired of listening to you know if if I listen to Tom Woods it's not that I dislike Tom Woods but I know exactly where he stands on this issue after 1400 episodes I know what he has to say about taxes I don't believe he cares for them. And so I'm interested in talking to other libertarians and see how like 
you know, how, how somebody might say, okay, well, I believe in a social safety net and I want to hear those libertarian arguments for a social safety net and how it might work in a libertarian society. And I want to hear, you know, without deleting the right voices either. Like, I just don't want an echo chamber. And I think that that's a great thing to be passionate about. It's a very niche market. Of course, it's small because I'm not, there's no massage on this show. You come in and you have a, di we have differences of opinion. I hype it up that way. You know, we're all libertarians. The name of the show, Enemy of My Enemy, is to highlight that we are all friends and we're our allies in this fight. But it's not that we all agree or have, we're a hybrid mind or we all have the same opinion on everything. And I think that that's great. I, for me, I think these varieties of opinion, we spend so much time, time dealing with a hypothetical universe one that's not actually here yet and saying, what might it look like? These are important questions. People want to know what, how, where, how food works. How's the new money system work? How does employment work? How does, how does a social safety network, how do the roads work? Right. Probably one of the most oh common God, not ones. The roads. Yeah. Right. Like my people have roads. all, I love my roads. <laughs> people have all these questions about how they would work and it's important for us to be able to answer them. And I think it's good that we can answer them in a variety of ways. Cause I think anybody that, that, we, we talk about this hypothetical universe and I can stand here and say, oh, I read this great book that's super capitalist that can tell you exactly how it'll work. Well, these are, it, I mean, these are ultimately science fiction predictions, right? Like I'm just, I'm going based on what I like. And if it sounds like a good prediction, that's great. One of the ways the market works is it kind of takes the best ideas and has all of them working in conjunction with each other. And I, I find that, that there's a lot of value in there. Um, this is a great, it's a great group of people to kind of shoot ideas off of um to to people who are open to changing their minds people who are not i hate demagoguery um you know i i think people are kind of down on the term taxation is theft i still love the term taxation is theft but i understand why people don't like the term because there tends to be a lot of like and i don't want to i don't want to talk about it anymore afterwards like oh you're okay with theft you're deleted you're gone i'm never talking to you anymore because you're okay with stealing from me oh you're okay with voting that must mean you're okay with attacking people and injuring them and wars overseas and violence against my neighbor and so therefore i have a legal right to kill you because you voted and so that means that you're initiate you actually initiated the violence against me because you voted like you're mental I, I, I'm sorry. I understand like the philosophy behind it. I've looked into it. It doesn't really hold up unless you live in a mental state uh, that is that is quite unhealthy. And I think that I think that actively going out of our comfort zone to listen to other points of view is important. I was tremendously inspired by by my days of speech and debate. That's how I made my way through college, by the way, everybody. I would not have gone if it wasn't for a speech and debate. Um, and, they, and they paid my way. And, and the thing is, is that speech and debate will, they tell you what side you are on and you don't get to pick. And so I had to be good at every side of every issue. And if I, if, if I ended up using nothing but ad hominems or straw mans against a certain side, straw mans, straw men? Straw, straw people, straw people against a certain side. Yeah. Straw folk. If I ended up using a lot of straw folk against the, against one side or another, I was like, you know what? I need to beef up this position until it makes sense. Um, this is a rule in communication. If you go to like couples therapy, what do they tell you? I want you to communicate your spouse's problem in a way that makes them say, yes, that's exactly the problem. 
right? Like you've hit the nail on the head because most of the time we trivialize, right? We say, oh, that's your problem. It's your problem. It's, it's a small deal. It's a small deal. Um, and yeah, I don't care for that. I, that's why I was inspired by the show. That's why I love the show. That's why the show is doing so darn amazing in the downloads department and getting shared and we're, we're increasing popularity every week and uh, couldn't do it without my wonderful hosts um, and, and co-hosts and we really are all a big family here, and, and some way or another, I got to find a way to split this advertising revenue fourteen different ways. But we'll work on that later. Uh, <laughs> I want my pennies, no. right? <laughs> I, I, I gotta, I gotta give everybody a nickel or tell them, hey, you know, next time you go to Chuck E. Cheese, here's a token. You know, oh. one, of those, one of those games is on me. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, I thought it'd be uh, uh, what is it? Um, oh, great, Dave and Buster's. Oh yeah, Dave and Buster's went there, there just yesterday. I'll take Dave as Buster. long as they've got ski ball, I am a happy girl. Oh yeah, yeah. That and uh, table hockey, air hockey. Yep. They have both. Okay, they have both, and thankfully, lightening up on the social restrictions, so we're all able to. We all the games are back open, and I was able to lick every single puck on the air hockey table, and just <laughs> as it should. Well, be. Wait a minute, you actually licked the. Oh, that explains why. Okay. <laughs> I wanted a little. Now friction. we know more about Hody than we wanted to. <laughs> I was trying to get an edge in my game, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, but yeah, thank you so much for saying that, Jacob. I really do appreciate it. it it's it's been an amazing show. It, it takes a lot of everybody's time every week, and uh, but it's it's a great feeling. I love the chats that we have. I know they get heated a lot, um, and as it should be. Whenever I mean, yes, these are opinions, but there's a reason we're passionate about our opinions. You know, like I, I've right. got yeah, because we're right about our opinions, of course. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's that. Well, Everybody, hey, you, can you can you can get, uh, make the the testimony that your show brought me and Archie Flowers into the same sphere and to be able to have civil discourse. So I mean, I think that's something that you can. You can uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> occasionally, are. mom and dad here have to you know smack <laughs> you around a bit. Hey, you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, no, thank you. Uh, thank you for that. No, and I appreciate that too. I think, you know, and unfortunately, I think especially with Libertarians, voices that we get along with sometimes don't get along with each other. A lot of people are just like, I've had nothing but good experiences with so-and-so. And then it's like, oh, geez, I, I have that person on my block list. You know, <laughs> it's it's all it's all person to personal opinion. I, will, I am the first person to be guilty about befriending divisive people that I, for whatever reason wasn't aware they were divisive until way after I should have realized it because they were always civil with me. Right. And, uh, but that's damn nice. That's why <laughs> not. I mean, and people would be surprised at the size of my block list at this point. I Cause a lot of people, you know, a lot of people blocked that I don't have blocked that I'm still yeah. friends with. Or you, you know what? The funny thing is the only people I block are the people that follow me. Cause I figure if you're following me on Twitter for some stupid reason, you're probably a bot. So I've just blocked you. <laughs> So don't follow Brian if you want to hear more nope. about what he has to say. <laughs> that's a that's a good key to getting blocked. Now, it's uh you know I th I think my block I I definitely don't deal well when people don't deal with each other well. So I think you know it, I, I I said this on the on the show I think like a week ago and I was trying to think of it I said it like ninety percent of the people that I have blocked really it's less about their anger towards me and more about their anger towards other people that I also consider friends and I'm fine with having a decent rage, you know, to be like, I I've had a bad experience with that person, 
but I think I draw the line at you need to also have a bad experience with this person as well. Otherwise you can't be my friend anymore. Or otherwise we're fighting or you're an idiot. If you don't see that friend in the way that I see that friend and uh, that's social media drama to the core. And uh, I, I don't, I don't have time for it. There's too many, too many great things to do uh, like this podcast. Anyhow, everybody, thank you so much for joining. Uh, I really appreciate that. Uh, Sam had to hop off either, but his piece of his mind is that he also loves all of you as well. So, uh, yeah. So anyhow, thank you so much, listeners, audience. We thank you so much for tuning in and being part of the solution and part of the discourse that that we have here. Love you so much and enjoy the rest of your evening. Good night. Good night.